Well, good morning on this Easter morning, and uh, we are grateful for those who are here in the assembly and for those who are watching online today. We've been in Romans chapter 8 for quite a few weeks, and most recently, uh, in our more recent uh, Connect Group meeting, I asked the members of my group, what has been the most meaningful verse for you in Romans chapter 8? And uh, Ro- Susan Blaine said she really liked Romans 8.22 that uh, thought of about the whole creation groaning as in childbirth and saw that as so apropos. And Becky, my wife, mentioned uh, Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 11, that we have the spirit of the resurrection of Jesus within us. And Dave Weiler mentioned uh, the passage about adoption having adopted two of his children, verse 15. And uh, Betty mentioned uh, I've always, that she'd been always ministered to by the verse that speaks of the Spirit's intercession, the section that Jeremy preached just a couple of weeks ago in verses 26 and 27. And then uh, Melanie and Judy in our group mentioned the very last two verses of Romans 8. What can separate us? The climax of the passage, God's unstoppable love. What is your verse? I'd love to know. Text me today. Uh, Send a text. Uh, Let uh, let me know what uh, you're thinking in terms of your favorite verse from Romans chapter 8. Let's pray. Lord God, as we uh, look at this final section of Scripture this morning in this chapter in uh, on this easter morning may uh, your holy spirit work and move our hearts to see all that you have prepared for us through your word in the name of jesus amen my uh, grandson asked a rather uh, i suppose typical four-year-old question uh, and he said are monsters real And I reassured him that monsters are not real and that he has nothing to be afraid of. But if I asked you the same question this morning, what do you say? You might even know different because there are all kinds of monsters. There are monsters, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, sometimes cosmic so maybe i would ask the question a different way how safe are you and in our honest moments we might say well jeff i actually i don't feel that safe because is anything secure finances or our government or my job, or my relationships, my marriage, my health, or even the changes that are going on with our climate and the weather. You see, we live in a profoundly unstable world. And while the threat that faced those early Christians in Rome, to whom Paul wrote, possibly one of the very reasons for Paul's writing of this 
section of Scripture that is some of those were candidates for one of Emperor Nero's night parties to be soaked in tar and set on fire. No, that's not really what keeps me awake at night. But still it is hard to shake all of the monsters. Whether anxiety or fear or insecurities that are everywhere. And they are a bit like tremors of a monstrous earthquake that is lurking beneath the earth's surface. And so there is one area where this question, how safe are you, matters most. And if you get this right, everything else in your life that ever happens or has happened is simply detail. And it's this question, how safe are you in the love of God? Now, in our finishing verses to Romans 8, there are five unanswerable questions to help us with that question that I just posed. They're unanswerable because they are rhetorical. They are not designed to be answered, but to be imagined. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to underline these five questions beginning with Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. And the first question posed in the NIV is this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The message reads this way. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? You see, from the story of Moses to the story of Joshua to David, the message has been clear. If we are on God's side, no enemy, no monster can mess with us. From this verse, we have taken the title of our series, If God is for us. Not because we are worthy of anything, but because God actually is for us. We have been called to be His. What a major point of the letter to the Romans is this. Now, the second question, verse 32, you might underline, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Or as the message relates this verse, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing Himself to the worst by sending His own Son, is there anything else He wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? You know the answer that Paul is driving at. You see, it's a from the greater to the lesser argument. If God went all the way, that is 
even to the point of death, don't you think He will take care of anything short of death? Parents understand this. You, if you will do the big thing, and I know you would for your child, you would give your life for your child. And so you will then, the argument goes, do the lesser things. You'll get up in the middle of the night. You'll empty your wallet again and again. You give up your time and your interest to be at another ball game or another concert or another event. Question 3, verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. And the message says it this way. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? You see, there's no prosecuting attorney that stands a chance. There is no case that can be brought against God's children, brought against you. Question 4, verse 34. Who then is the one who stands, who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. We're going to come back to this one in just a moment. So let me go on to question 5, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Here's how it's said in the message. Don't you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. You see, the accuser does his very best to come up with reasons that God will give up on us. And from the time we are little children to the day we die, the number of assaults on our identity are endless. And so on account of that, we seem to have limitless reasons on why we struggle to find confidence in God. And if there was ever a counterpunch to this type of big lie, toxic thinking, this passage is it. Paul goes to the moon to make the point that God's love is greater than your greatest insecurity. No monster is big enough. As we've said before in the series, not because of your goodness, but because of His goodness. Not because of your performance, but your position in Christ. Your status as a child of God, a son of God, an heir of God. You've been adopted by God. 
It's, it's like teenagers who test their parents' love. Go ahead, question God's love, resist it, belittle it, try to doubt it or sabotage it, but you cannot touch it. Your security in God's love is not at stake. Now, do you know why there are no threats against you? At least no successful ones. Do you know why Paul could write like this with this epic poetry? In a no-holds-barred, no conditions, no stipulations, no reservations, no hesitancies, no contingencies, no ifs, no ands, no buts. Look at verse 34 with me again. That was question four. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and also interceding for us. The message says it this way. Who would dare to even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. I want us to get this. Christ Jesus died for you. Good Friday. And then our text uses a word, but even more, more than that, more than the death of Christ, more to the, a greater extent, in a higher degree, this Greek word means. Yes, here's the more, He was raised for you. Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. But guess what? Even more than that, if that's possible, He ascended to heaven for you. Even more than that, He is alive right now. Here's what our text in verse 34 is saying. He is interceding for you. He's praying for you. He's advocating for you. He is fighting for you. He is our defense attorney. He is engaged with us and for us. And if our confidence is in Him, then our future is secure. Christ's love was deeply demonstrated at the cross. But His love is not only an action in the past. His love is not a memory only. Now I want you to hear this. It is a moment-by-moment action by the omnipotent, living Son of God to bring us everlasting joy. Right now, in this moment, you see, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God because our brother Jesus is alive right now, acting for you right now. At the right hand of God, he is interceding right now. 
He will let nothing separate us from Him. You see, these five questions are inanswerable because Jesus Christ is in your corner fighting for you right now. He will not lose those who are His. So if I ask this question, how safe are you in the love of God? What do you think? How would you answer? How do you answer as you go through your week about that question? You might think of passages that point to God getting pretty angry. And you maybe you think, that's directed right at me. So on some level you fear Him. You might find yourself wrapped and entangled in sin that you just can't seem to escape. And, and maybe some of us, we just, we've given up on God and we're just living in rebellion. Let's imagine that for a moment. Won't He spit us out of His mouth? Well, other scripture indicates that He will. But Paul's line of reasoning here, because we have a right now living advocate in Christ will allow no exceptions. Your life in Christ is 100% secure. And so this Easter morning as you open yourself to the empty tomb and that all that it means for us, let's get a running start and let Paul carry us home as I read these closing words from the message. Listen to this. There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. And I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing, underline this, can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. You see, church, the series began with Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There's no condemnation. And it ends in Romans 8 with there is no separation. No condemnation and no separation. Five unanswerable questions one final response 
monsters or no monsters, backed by the grace and love of God, your life is 100% secure in Christ. Now the world is very insecure. What else in the entire universe is like this? And the more deeply we, through God's Spirit, can understand and trust what has happened for us, what is happening right now for us, and what will happen for us, the more completely Paul trusts that we will give ourselves most completely to the Lord Jesus. You see, Martin Luther was right. When you get Romans, God has got you. You have a blessed week.